Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gohan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's happening, guys? Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. Don't know how you guys have made it this far, but we're on episode 11 here, and this one's going to be a good one. Today, we're going to be diving in with Ed Mack from, uh, about navigating the industry as a next-generation tradesman and transitioning from specialty framing to custom turnkeys. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, we got to do the clap. <laughs> My bad. There we go. Always, always welcome them in. It's been a, a long time coming now. Yeah, I know. We've been, uh, I feel like I've known you for years, man. You've known me since I was like a little kid, but you were a little kid at the same time. <laughs> I know. We've both had like 20 followers probably. Yep. Crazy <laughs> stuff. We've grown up so much. Look at all the followers. Yeah. <laughs> we are supposed to hang out a year ago before uh, COVID hit us with a right hook. Yeah. I know. I was up sure. in Pennsylvania. It was going to be good. That was going to be great. You know, I had some good plans and then everything kind of just turned to shit. Yeah, that, would, that should have been a good uh, key of what 2020 was going to be like, you know? <laughs> right? It really set the stage. <laughs> Ed, uh, you're, you're, you're 25. You accomplished a ton so far. We both feel like you're, uh, you're getting warmed up. Um, you're a veteran who has served uh, several years. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Um, but, you know, you, you're, you're taking over the family business uh, where you used to do rough specialty framing, and now you're building these, you know, insane customs from dirt to turnkey. Uh, a lot of people reach out to Matt and I about, you know, how to get into the industry advice, especially if they don't have a parent or a family member in the business. But uh, I, I really want to dive in with you and, and learn a little bit more about your story. Um, you know, everything from uh, your family being in the business to going into the military. Uh, just give us a little bit of background on that before we dive in. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my dad was a builder. Uh, my dad's quite, quite older than uh, like most dads from my generation. He's, uh, he had me when he was 45. So uh, real old school. He grew up, he learned in the 60s and 70s. So, I mean, he learned how to sharpen hand saws. Like that was apprenticeship stuff for him. So um, by the time that I was born, he was a, a very prominent builder in our area, Northeast PA. Um, so my earliest memories, we actually lived in the in a development that he was building in. And uh, one of my earliest memories is he'd pull out of the driveway and go down the street to the job site. And I have one of those little electric cars. Oh, I, followed, I love that. I'd follow behind <laughs> him. I, I remember it clear as day driving down the street in my little electric truck with the uh, tool belt in the back of it. And, uh, he'd sit, yeah, he'd sit me down on the subfloor with a box of roofing nails and he'd just, uh, let me pound nails all day. And he'd say, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stay on the chalk line, son. And I said, yeah, but the nails going easier when you're not on the chalk line. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> my earliest memories were, you know, rough, especially the rough framing sites, just the smell of the sawdust and all the wood products and just, uh, so many memories tied into that stage of building. I think that's why I like it so much. But um, as I got older, you know, uh, I didn't really have a choice. I went to work as soon as I turned like 10, 11. I was working every summer. 
holidays, anytime I wasn't in school. Um, and I didn't always love it, you know. Uh, so that's one of the things that drew me to the military. I was always uh, patriotic, wanted to serve. And I ended up joining the military right out of high school. I was actually only 17. Well, I, I started in the reserves because my parents wanted me to go to college. And that was an agreement we made. But I ended up getting deployed and spending so much time on active duty. By the time the kids I graduated with were juniors in college, I was still a freshman. So that whole idea kind of mm. shot me in the foot. But, you know, the military was a great experience for me. I, by 21, I was a sergeant. And uh, at one point, I was responsible for over 200 other people in a, in a training school. Wow. And um, management crazy. School. Yeah, yeah. The management skills, the teamwork skills, just the uh, like learning how to speak to people, how to, mm -hmm. how to manage people, all that stuff. Um, it was an incredible experience. So <clears throat> after I got home from my deployment, uh, I went back to school finally, but I still worked for my dad 40 hours a week while going to college full time. And I got to a point where I had to make a decision, you know, what, what route did I want to go? And uh, like blue collar was like, so in my blood, it became clearer and clearer. I just, uh, I didn't see myself doing anything else. And, um, you know, in the military, every second of your day is controlled. Like, you know, the time you wake up, what you wear, what you do, you can't mm -hmm. even uh, use the bathroom without asking permission in, in certain circumstances. So I got sick of that. I was kind of just always had that self-employed type of mentality. So a, a job going into a job where I had, I would have to answer to so many people again, just didn't sit with me. So, you know, I pursued the working with my dad, started working with him full time. And um, <clears throat> at the time, well, prior to 2008, you know, he was building huge customs. Um, he had over 20 employees on the books and, you know, tons of subs on um, things were great, but 2008, everything changed. Mm -hmm. By the time I was old enough to be working with him seriously, you know, we were like changing toilets, fixing doors, doing replacement windows, surviving, just, just surviving. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it was tough, man. And I, that's kind of the, one of the reasons why I wasn't so into it because it was just miserable. And, you know, I've spoken with you about this a bunch, but the idea of framing a house or a roof seemed like a pipe dream. And, I remember saying to myself, if I build one house in my life, I'll be lucky. Cause that's, that's literally where we were at. So, you know, somebody gave us a chance on a roof addition, which was like a roof over a second story deck. Uh, that was like three years ago, maybe. And that changed everything because it was in a, it was in an upscale neighborhood. And by the end of that year, I did 20 more roof additions. I love that, man. I, yeah. I, I I'm still working in that neighborhood. My next job is in that neighborhood. You know, um, it was all through word of mouth. I just, my phone would ring and then 
I'd pick up and they go, we hear you're the roof framing guy, you know? And you're like, damn straight. I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny because that first roof, I, my dad, my dad's standing up on the deck yelling at me. Cause you know, he's old school guy, always yelling. And I have the uh, framing square in my hand and I'm trying to mark a bird's mouth and I'm turning it around. I'm like, how the hell do I make this mark? I had no idea <laughs> by the, you know, by the end of that year, I was pre-calculating everything, even, um, like even uh my ridge heights and everything set in ridge posts and and oh, yeah. just all off the ground with the calculator so i mean if repetition is the way that you learn things you know so doing i did mm-hmm. literally like 25 common roofs and a couple hip roofs um wow i could cut a roof in my sleep now you know but uh and then the houses started coming back and you know we we'd be talking suppliers be like hold Eddie Mac I thought you were dead you know because of my dad dad's name's same name as me but you know we had to bring the business back from the dead basically you're doing some insane stuff nowadays and I, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of watching from not not the beginning but four years ago now up to where you are and it's been an insane transition yeah you know I, I really can't even believe it honestly because it was all it was all just a dream for me and then we still got a long, long way to go, but I, you know, I'm so thankful for where we're at now. And yeah, uh, every day you wake up, you get to build houses. That's, that was literally my dream. But, uh, you know, social media was the huge, huge reason that we turned everything around because, you know, my dad used to give out uh, bids on, on a piece of notebook paper, yep. you know, like uh, that was how he, he did. Yeah. He did his business on handshakes alone. Yep. So, you know, I got involved in my limited experience in college. You know, I learned how to, how to write most importantly history. Yeah. Okay. History. And uh, so I did a lot of writing. So, you know, doing proposals and contracts was really simple for me after all that experience. Um, So that was one thing I brought to it's real detailed contracts down to, you know, two and three eighths ring shank nails for roof sheathing, like just bringing a different level of detail at every phase of the game, just sets you apart. Right. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, creating Facebook website, just posting, mm-hmm. putting out content. Everybody that uh, calls me now, they say, we follow you on Instagram or, you know, we found yeah. you online and you just jumped out compared to everyone else. I hear that all the time, you know, and that's just uh it's such a great thing to hear. And it's a testament to um, if you want something, you could make it happen, especially nowadays, you know? Yeah. But for the right person, if your back's against the wall, um, you know, like you could make something happen. Like for me, having my back against the wall or always being like uh, the odd man out was always the motivation for me. Like I didn't need anything else. Just having being at the bottom and having to go all the way up and, and like fight just to get a job that is, uh, you know, worth having. That was, that was the, the motivation in itself. So, Question and that you. comes from the mill. Yeah, go ahead. If you were to do a job that this is going to explain a lot to everybody listening. If you were to take a job and say, you know, you're about to start going under on it. Do you half ass it from there on out or do you keep the same quality and lose money? Oh, no, no way. Yeah, you know, quality comes first. And, you know, 
I think everybody's been in that position at least once. Yeah, we don't take shortcuts. We don't do anything like that, you know. <clears throat> and that goes back to when my dad was brought up. Carpenter wasn't just like a job. It was almost like um, like a profession, like a doctor almost, you yeah. know, like a carpenter. A carpenter was like you took your responsibility almost like you had an oath to the profession, you know. Oh. So doing the job right came before anything else and um that's definitely how I feel about it uh I I make it clear right away to people like I'm not here to make a million dollars I'm not trying to be like a CEO that wears a suit uh I think the carpentry comes first above all else and I just want to do my job and I want to leave a product that's going to last and uh that's my priority you know now the, the money always follows and that that's something that I think a lot of people get backwards is they go into it for the money and you don't, you don't find it all that easy, but we've, we've lost our ass on projects before and we're we yeah, re- without a doubt. We refuse to drop quality and get it done faster just because, I mean, we're, we're not going to do that just because we're losing some money. We'd rather keep the same right. quality throughout and know that we can drive by it and say, we still built that place. Like regardless of the, how good our profit margin was. Exactly. Yep. I tell this to people all the time you, in this, like this business is small, you know, we're all local, small businesses. Um, you don't want to burn bridges, yeah, you know, no. regardless of who it is, because you're going to, even if you just run into them in a lumber yard a year later or 10 years from now, and they, they refer your name to a client, you, you never want to burn bridge, whether that's, you know, something as simple as a young guy given a two weeks notice or, you come in right up front and saying, listen, uh, we did, we underbidded this or this or that. And, you know, we have an issue now and we need to resolve it. You know, you never, communication is an important factor and uh, yeah, you never want to burn bridges. Yeah. We, speaking of that, it's actually really funny you bring that up. We had a project that didn't go so well. We ended up losing some money on it. The site super and us got it. We got into it pretty good. Um, we, we kept things civil and worked through it, but we, we could have easily burnt that bridge, treated everybody like shit and made the build hell. Instead, we, we kept professional, did what we had to do. It's been a year now and we just got a referral from that site super on a new project. It's like, that, that's all it took. Yeah. We, we kept things good and more work came down the pipeline. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Your name is tied to your business. You know, a lot of people like for me, the business is our name and you know, this year is our 51st year in business. My dad started in, yeah, my dad started in 1970. So he was licensed in 1970. So when I make a move or I, I deal with a client, even if it's just an email, I, I, you know, I treat everyone a certain way because, you know, one wrong move and, and you could ruin your reputation. You know, it's very Mm -hmm. easy. Like people leave. I actually, it's funny this guy that worked for my dad went out on his own and somebody just reached out to me about a bathroom remodel. And I said, I don't really do those no more, but I know a guy I could refer. And I, I Googled his name to get his phone number and he had a bunch of negative reviews, not for his work, but because uh, the way he was driving (laughs) and they seen his logo (laughs) on his truck. (laughs) Like that was the first thing that popped up was like one star. Like he cut me off. (laughs) So, you know, you got to, 
you got to take everything into account. But no. my pops took his company logos off his truck for that very reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know that. To do the same. I've got my, <laughs> I've, I've got Matt Bangs wood on the back window, Pinellas on the doors, like, and I still drive like an asshole sometimes. So I, I watch it. <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you a question because I think uh, a lot of people believe in this industry that you need to go into your in a business on your own from the start, which you can definitely make the argument for, but. Um, what's been your experience like uh, learning under someone's wing, getting some skills through both the mil- military on the managerial side, but uh, on the trade and business side before actually taking that leap? Like you said, th- there's a way you could jump into being a, a business owner first, but you're going to have a lot of catch up to do. And uh, you're going to probably have to hire people right out of the gate that know more than you, right? And uh, could help you along the way. And, you know, I'm only 25, even though I have a lot of experience just because I was raised in the trade, there's so many things I don't know. And uh, when people, clients come to me with questions, especially more of the outside the realm of carpentry, like they asked me a question about uh, landscaping or excavation or even like the contract. And I'm like, I have no idea, you know? So I could imagine if you're just jumping in as a business owner, mm-hmm. there's so many things you don't have the answer for. And like, personally, that always kills me. I'm the type of guy who has to know, know what I'm talking about. You know, like I just, I wouldn't have interest in, in doing it if I haven't done it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. When, when I started, you know, my father and I, we would, we would do the excavation, we'd pour the footers, we'd lay the block and, and, and so on up, you know, so there wasn't one thing we didn't touch. So I could confidently say, like, I could tell somebody to go do something, or I could explain something. And I have the confidence to say, I did it. So I know how it goes, right. So I think I think learning the trade is vital. I think it's, it's easy to get involved, or they're not quite at the level that like to call themselves a journeyman carpenter and uh you got to kind of weed yourself away from people like that right like the outside public image of like a contractor might not always be a positive thing so if you put in the time under a a great teacher um you know the work's gonna come first i think that that should be everyone's priority is the quality of your work i I think a lot of people jump right into it and they they feel and I, I know firsthand, I, I've seen it a lot. People feel like the second they get that contractor's license, it's bags off, it's money in the bank. You're, you're bankrolling everything and you're the big dog now. You make the big bucks. And unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. It, it really isn't. I've, I know contractors that make bank and I know contractors that are bankrupt. So yeah. it, it goes both ways. And like me, myself exactly. personally, with what you just said, you, you know building and I do too, but there's a lot of things that I still don't know about. And there is no way in hell, like I could confidently run a specialty framing license. Sure. I would still have questions from time to time, but there's no way in hell I'd go out and GC right now. Learning under somebody gives you the ability to screw up and make mistakes that are costly that could potentially oh, yeah. a new Definitely. business owner out of business. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a whole other podcast topic. You don't have to yeah. suffer from it. <laughs> yeah. I tell, I tell new guys all the time. I say, any mistake you made, I've made it. And I've made 
thousands of dollars of mistakes more than you've made. So yeah. don't yeah. sweat it, you know, because that's 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 the way you learn. You got to screw shit up, right? And yeah, I feel like a lot of people need to hear that. <laughs> I, I think yeah. don't don't intentionally do it. <laughs> Social media has been good because it's helped a lot of us put like the the trade in the spotlight. Yeah. At the same time, it's making people feel like good carpenters don't make mistakes. And I I don't know. I don't right? Yeah, or everything's always flawless. I, w- I want to lead up to a question for you, Ed. Uh, I'm not going to disclose his name because I don't know if he wants me to, but there's a student that graduated from the Pennsylvania College of Technology and he texted me um, a couple days ago. Uh, and I'm going to open with this. Uh, he said, really enjoyed your podcast uh, about the parents and advisors being wrong. I'm 21 and just graduated from Pennsylvania College of Technology, which is a phenomenal school, by the way, for anyone listening, for a residential building. Never once was I introduced to the trades until my best friend's dad had a conversation with me about it. So um, I, I have a question for you, Ed. A lot of people get into the trades because they have a family member in it. All right. um, knowing what you know now, if you didn't have a parent in the business, but you are still interested in the trades, how would you, how would you even start? You know, like me and Matt, we didn't have a choice. Like we were put to work mm-hmm. and, uh, we ended up loving it, but yeah, ah, that's tough. Um, it's a really tough question to answer. And I've thought about this myself for quite some time now. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely have these conversations with people who are trying to get involved. Um, let's put it this way though. If you're, if you're hungry enough to uh, want to do it and you have a pretty good feeling that you're gonna stick it out and make it work, if you have that attitude going into it, you're going to make it happen. Right. Because that's the kind of, exactly. That's the, that's the kind of person that the trades are going to take in. But if, if, if you're not sure you're undecided and you're just waiting for something to like come right to your door, it's probably not going to happen. You have to be active. You have to, I mean, how many people are hiring right now? Probably every single contractor in the country. I know right now is hiring. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, like, but the thing is finding people that are serious, you know, you might have a hundred people come, but how many are actually mm-hmm. going to stick it out? That's the thing. Yeah. You know? well, I think yeah that's, is- that's what it really comes down to is the drive with these people. If they really feel like they want it, they'll go out and get it themselves. I, I think that a lot yeah. of people want, like, I don't want to necessarily call it a handout, but that's, yeah, almost, yeah. that's almost what they're waiting for. And that- yeah, I definitely, I definitely see that too. Like, I say this all the time. Why would a kid who never grew up in the trades doesn't know much about like physical labor? Why would they want to literally like work harder than most people in the world when they could get a job like at Walmart or something and get benefits after a certain amount of time, like take a job that is so much physically easier, right? You have to find the separate value with the trade. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a post a while ago, the first four years in the trade, you should consider it like being in school. You know, if you're union, you kind of are in school, but yeah. non-union is a different story. You, Even though, you know, you're getting paid, you might not be getting as much as you think you should or enough to, you know, buy a brand new truck, but take it, consider it to be time for education, you know, and uh, after four years, if you stuck it, stuck it out, 
you're probably going to start making some good money. You're going to start getting a lot more responsibility. But those first few, those first four years, that's what I see with a lot of kids who apply to me. Immediately, they think they're going to start and be like a lead carpenter. And they don't, like last week, I had to teach you how to read a tape. And now you think you're entitled yeah. to yep. uh, higher pay. And like, I'm going to give you responsibility, like lay out a wall. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's not how it works, man. Like, no, I swept floors for like 10 pole. years <laughs> before I laid out a wall. <laughs> no, there, there's a freaking totem pole. You start at the bottom and you work your way up. And that's just how it goes. There's a chain of commands and you have to follow that. We've, we've yeah. seen the same exact thing. I've seen it over and over. We, I, I had one kid, a good friend of mine, and he started out with us. We're on a roof. We're stripping a roof. We get everything done, lay down felt, start roofing the thing. And instead of packing me over bundles and in my little shingle handler, he picks up a gun and starts <laughs> nailing on shingles. And he's all, I can do this stuff, man. And I'm like, that's freaking wonderful. That's not what you're hired to do right now. You're supposed to be handing me shingles and we're supposed to work together. That's just how it goes. Like anyone yeah. can pick up a nail gun on day one, but you didn't work yeah. doing that. You didn't work to get where exactly. you're Exactly. Right. So, yeah. You know, I had a guy, he worked for us for maybe three months and he said, I don't think I deserve to have to carry lumber anymore. And I said, dude, my dad's 70. He's still, he's carrying lumber next to you. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, this we is- all carry lumber, brother, but yeah. I'm laying out the wall. So you're carrying it. I'm like, I'll gladly switch places with you, but I promise you, you're not ready to do this yet. Right. No. So, yeah, I mean, you, you have to see the value in the, in the trades. You have to see that um, you're going to put in a lot more sweat and you're going to, uh, have to just uh dedicate yourself you know it's not about a paycheck um it's not what what it is though is i i think these they need to find more value in it than just a paycheck at the end of the week like you're saying what they need to think about long term is the fact that ed you and i right now could switch positions you come to california i go to pennsylvania both of us could be working under somebody in less than a week anytime any place you know, and my family wasn't always um, supportive of me entering the trades. They really wanted me to go to college, but I'd have conversations with my dad. And, he, you know, the first thing he'd say is, well, if you do get, if you do, you know, become a carpenter, you'll always find work. You know, that's w- the one thing he'd always say, you'll always find work, no matter where you go, whatever, you'll always have a job. So, you know, that's just a testament. And, um, That's such a good point that you bring up, Ed. I want to stick on that for a second. Uh, I feel like, because we we did the previous podcast on what uh, school advisors and parents get wrong about the construction industry. And uh, I I did a panel recently. We talked about rethinking the trades and we talked about perception. We talked about uh, seeing the trades as a career versus a gig. But I think even... I mean, for even for some people's parents, since this is more real for them than their kids is they experienced the 2008 or they were an observer of it, seeing the real estate industry crash. Right. And I think there's still a lot of that pending fear of, okay, what if this happens in the future? But the good point that you bring up and we're going to have to start pushing this message more and more is since there's such a labor shortage and such a lack of housing and building 
we're going to be building for a very, very long time before we see something like that happen. Yeah. And so your dad is absolutely right. You're, you're always going to have work because it, it's not like our planet or the population is getting smaller. It's getting way yeah, bigger, exactly. way faster. Yep. Yeah. And you know, like with carpentry, you're not, you're not stuck doing just one phase of it. You know, if times get hard, you could, you could diversify and, and take on something much smaller. Like if you're framing custom homes, but you have experience doing trim work or tile or whatever, you know, if the housing market crashes, you know, but people still are looking for small remodels or whatever, you know, you, you could find work in the same trade, but doing something, you know, just yep. slightly different because it's so, it's so diverse, you know, I carpentry in itself. Podcast. You, you hit something like 2008 and the people that did specialty framing alone that don't, they know nothing more than how to frame a wall, how to frame a house. They weren't working. And mm -hmm. I, I've, I've said it for years now, there's a difference between carpenters and framers. Framers know how to frame and carpenters should know how to do everything from foundation to finish. And that, that's how it used to be. People yeah. misuse, misuse the word carpenter nowadays, unfortunately, and it's gotten kind of, I don't know, uh, misused. So do you, th do you think the industry is becoming more specialized though, Matt? I feel like people have found more of a specialized market where they can know one thing back in the day you'd go through and the actual builders that held the freaking license were on site working. That, yeah. that's, how, yeah. that's how my grandfather was. That's how my father is now. Nowadays, it, it's not like that. People focus on more of a specialty thing. Um, a lot of people are doing specialty framing that I know. And while that's great and all, all it tells me is that you are narrowed down and know one thing. And right. Yeah. You know, being a one trick pony, I mean, to a, from a business standpoint, like speaking of modern times, it makes sense, you know, because uh, just you're keeping it simple. You're keeping your business lean. You're not going out on a limb and doing a bunch of different things. So, uh, but you know, in regards to the trade, you kind of uh, handcuffing yourself, um, before the World War II housing boom, the, you know, carpenter would frame the house. They'd build all the furniture in the house. You know, that's, that's how it was. And that type of tradition, you know, lasted a long time. But as the, as the demand for housing got so huge, that's when all the specialties came in. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm sure in California, you might actually still see this, but like there'd be guys who just did subfloor or yeah. sheathing. You yes, know? My, they my didn't even know how back to. In the day, things, things yeah, rough from time to time. He would piece layout. That that's exactly. how picky yeah. it got. He would come in and piece layout. He would do the so, layout on the walls and bounce, and then someone yep. would come in, frame the walls, and he'd come back in, lay out the roof, and they they'd build the roof the majority of the times. But that that's how defined it got. And in my opinion, piecework literally limits you so much because it we, does. We, it, you know, yeah, it kind of killed the trade. Because you have a no one thing only, and yeah, they, they know how to frame, and we're like, all right, we got a siding project coming up, and they're like, well, you have, you have any framing? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. do, do you know any siding? Like, come on now, <laughs> we don't want to limit ourselves to that one thing, but that that just goes to show you, there's people that used to piece just walls or just subfloor, like you're saying, and they would come in and do the the one thing over and over and over again, and we still see it, but it's definitely dwindled down a bit. But I think so that's what separated the market. 
so you yeah. are saying that the that the trades are expanding. Do you do you see that going forward that they're going to start being able to move into adjacent markets? Because I mean, we have prefab, you get precast modulars coming in. Like, where uh-huh. do you where do you guys see that? Do you do you think that the trades are going to be able to expand easier, or do you feel like it's going to be even more of a niche specialty? I I talked to an older cat out of um, San Francisco a month or two ago, and he he told me he's all it it sucks. But the same project now, granted, we have a little bit more engineering going into homes in California. The same project now takes him, it was like a, a, like 25% longer to finish than it would have back in the day. And I mean, granted, we have more hardware. It doesn't take up a quarter of the time. That, that's just common sense. But what he's saying is that people just simply aren't as educated or not as smart as they were back in the day. Back in the day, carpenters were very intelligent people and could do multiple different things. Now we've kind of limited ourselves with this full specialty market. And I, I truly think it's dumbing down the trades. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if you go back even further, like up until the early 1900s, not, yeah, see, this is my history. Uh, I was going to say, you have a out. freaking love for construction <laughs> history and I admire it. Yeah. There's never been a book written about it. So, I, you know, someday I might think about doing that. But um, going up until the early 1900s, like in this country, apprenticeship was a very serious thing. You know, you'd, you'd be an apprentice for like four to seven years. And back then they teach you even like uh, design and, and drawing and architecture. But like you couldn't just buy a set of nail bags and say you're a carpenter or show up on a site and be yeah. a carpenter like apprenticeship was very serious you had to go through that and that that all but disappeared especially like if you fast forward to today that's a rare thing um so it's like you know the the whole keep craft alive and like social media and like all these people pushing out content that's all geared towards teaching it's a great thing because we're kind of you know bringing back that idea like to be better to learn as much as you can like not, don't just do things the one way you learned, but like try different ways, find the best way and yeah. like keep growing. Right. So. The more, you know, the more valuable you are. We, mm-hmm. we tell yeah. everybody, we've taught a lot of different people, a lot of different things. People trip out though. Like we do roofs from time to time. Um, the next project we've got, we're going from dirt all the way to roofing being finished exterior ready for paint. And people trip out on that. Like, why are you doing the roofing? Why not? Like it, it's still money. It still pays. Yeah. And we know how to do it. So there's really no reason not to. Um, I feel like people, it, it goes back to a comfort zone because people find comfort in doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's kind of it. We, that's what we do as humans. We like to stay in our comfort zone and getting out of it is really where you grow. Yeah. Without a doubt. And you know, like speaking to like younger guys who might, who are thinking about getting in the trades, one of the coolest things about, the trades is how each day you could be doing something totally different. You know, uh, one day you're framing the next day you're siding or roofing or like, there's not many other professions. Yeah. There's not many other professions where you could do so many different things. Like every day you could be doing something different that keeps it exciting, keeps it fun. And, you, you could you could spend a hundred years on this trade and every day you could learn something new you know mm-hmm. you know what the, if you're a freaking dental hygienist just guess what you're going to be doing tomorrow you're going to be 
cleaning some damn teeth and then the day after that <laughs> the same damn thing yeah no that's yeah, you know, even we need to make a meme quote of that for Matt. I think he's going to get a bunch of hate right from now. the dental community. The dental that's our, community that's our biggest o- hate. That's our biggest audience for the podcast right now. Hammer against the dentist. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's true, though. Yeah, man. but it, it's different. You get to do so many different. And that's what I enjoy about actually being a carpenter instead of just like, I don't know. There's no pride in this piecework stuff. There's no pride in being, I mean, I'm, I'm calling out people there, so I don't like doing that. But there's not a lot of pride in being a single phase contractor. The more right, you, yeah, you kind of get your money and get out. You know? Yeah, that, that's what you're there for at that point is to just take your money and run. I think what's beneficial is that when you're first starting out in the trades or you got a year under your belt and you really want to see what the industry has in store and kind of just like are figuring out – uh, what you like to do is go working for a builder so that you can kind of rotate and see all phases of construction. Cause I think that's where a lot of people screw up is, you know, they may say, I, I don't know, they might have an interest in, let's just say carpentry or plumbing. And then they go try that out. And then they make this conclusion that construction's not for me. Yeah. It may have just mm-hmm. been framing or plumbing wasn't for you and become an electrician makes way more sense. But I think uh, a key advice here would be is if you're looking to get into the industry, go find a builder so that you can explore every different phase of the construction industry. So you don't just completely cancel construction out because one trade didn't fit, uh, uh, you know, liking the trades. I, I think that's a really big piece of advice. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit, Ed, but I wanted to elaborate on that for anybody listening to this is, uh, don't just check construction off your list because one trade doesn't feel right to you. There's, there's a ton of different trades that could definitely fit. I'd, I'd also like to add to that because we, we talk about the rat race. We talk about being a specialty contractor and a good majority of them are in it for the money alone. And that's all they want. They, they're in, they're out, they want to check. So oftentimes learning under a specialty is a pain in the ass because they don't have the time. They don't have the, the, the money within budget to be able to show you something like that so like when you have somebody that's doing the foundation the framing the siding everything you're able to learn a lot more it might be in bits and bits and pieces but you're able to do a lot more you'll learn a lot faster working for a general contractor that's taking on full builds rather than just the the rat race of being a, a specialty contractor doing the same thing repeat over and over and over again um oftentimes general contractors have a bigger budget subcontractors get a piece of that therefore they don't Mm -hmm. have the money to really dive in and teach you which makes it difficult because people do find themselves in a a framing position and they think shit i don't like this well if you don't like that try Mm -hmm. try trim carpentry try being a plumber and you have the ability Mm -hmm. to do that when you work for a gc that's something i've i've noticed for sure is when we're doing a, a full custom from frame to finish i could take a little extra time to explain you know, layout or like uh, putting walls together or a reason why this detail is like this. And you don't always get that time. Definitely when you're a sub after a couple months with a new guy, I might ask him like, what, what do you like in the most? You know, like what you've done a bunch already. Like what, what's really like taking your interest right now. And cause you know, most people that get in the trade, their idea is spend some years and then go out on their own. Mm-hmm. And so I just, 
you know, I love to have those conversations with, with guys and say, uh, you know, well, if you really like the finish work, like, you know, get that conversation going, get their interest sparked and see figure, what figure area really gonna, draws them. Yeah. Figure out where they're going to be best suited. And that, that comes with running a good business as well. Figuring out where people do best, where they strive is going to help you set yourself up for success. Because if you know, yeah, without a doubt, so-and-so is not good on the roof. Don't put them on the freaking roof. If you stick <laughs> right, them on yeah. the roof and you've got a good, good dude that goes on the roof on the ground, you're, you're screwing yourself. So I, I agree with that. Knowing where people are, are best is by far setting yourself up for success. Over the last few years, I've, I've watched it myself. You, you spent some time developing property for yourself. How, how is this? Mm-hmm. How, how was that whole experience? Yeah. So, um, the house is done, right, Ed? Pretty much. If you, pretty notice, close. you guys notice, I don't have no paint on the walls yet, but <laughs> I, bet, I bet that's a surreal <laughs> feeling to be sitting in the house that you built though. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So I built my own house on the weekends and part-time. Um, on, on the weekend. What have you been doing on the weekend? Building a house for I, myself I built, to live in? I built yeah. a house. Nothing. I love it, nothing, man. Yeah. It, it, it took me 13 months to finish. Um, like I said, I still don't have paint. I got primer on the walls, but no paint. And I have no hand railing and the stairs. My wife's pregnant, so she's pretty upset about that. But, uh, you know, I'm still working on it. But generally, it took me 13 months to get to where I could move in. Um, I, yeah, I started it in April, 2019 and we moved in, in May, 2020, um, the year of 2019, I think I took three days off of like Christmas. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I worked every single day. Um, you know what though? That, it was insane. I do not be in pain. It just tells you that you're busy and that's not something to complain about. That's a good thing right there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially right now in the winter, you know, I, you get home from working all day and it's the last thing you want to do, but I'm sure it was an insane experience. It's probably just as cold there as it is here in California. What, what is it outside right there? Uh, it was like, uh, it was like, where are you from? It was like (laughs) 10, 10 degrees right today. 10 degrees Fahrenheit today. We got snowed all day. Actually only had half day work because we got snowed out, but, uh, it was 53 here and I was in a sweater. Yeah. So Matt, for <laughs> reference, uh, Pennsylvania is only like five degrees colder. <laughs> yeah. It's not that much of a jump, you know, if you were to do the process again, is there anything you'd do differently? Yeah. I wouldn't put pine floors in. I'd use something that's a hard one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cause I got a, a big chocolate lab and she, um, uh, stepped up pretty good. But uh, yeah, I even built the uh, dining room table. I built okay, all the furniture yeah. in the house too. So um, yeah, bring the history crazy. lesson to your house. You built the whole thing yeah. and then built the furniture. Yep, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, it's so rewarding. Like every day I step in there, I, it's just like a great feeling. But at the same time, it's also tremendous anxiety because I know I still have a whole ton of shit to do. <laughs> when, when's baby coming? uh april oh gosh time is coming it, it, it's that going like quick around huh? the corner man <laughs> yep still- i know yeah can't wait we're having a boy oh baby framer in the making Congratulations. <laughs> yeah baby framer in the making
before we uh, wrap up the episodes, Ed, we uh, end every episode with a fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. You ready for it? All right. Yeah, let's give it a shot. All right, number one, what's your mantra you live by? Uh, Bill, don't talk. Hell yeah. I love that. That's such an Ed Mac thing to say. <laughs> we, 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 we did that blog article with you, and it, it was it was something like that, like always stay yeah. hungry or, or something like that. All um, in all the time. Yeah, that's what it is. All in all mm-hmm. the time. All right, number two, you're a man of many hammers. What's your hammer of choice? Martinez M1, without a doubt. Number three, uh, this was Matt's. This is a brilliant one. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Where would I go? Anywhere in the world. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd probably go to like Montana on an elk hunt. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yep. Would, would you kill the elk or just hang out with it for a bit? I'd kill it for sure and then i'd eat it (laughs) that's not a california thing man i was gonna say that (laughs) you wouldn't pet it number four uh your one message to the next generation would be uh stay hungry keep going god i love that man ed always dropping bombs number five (laughs) what does bread to build mean to you bread to build yeah yeah it's a decision every day to uh to be who you're going to be and, and just exemplify, you know, if you're a carpenter, you should be a carpenter 24 seven or plumber 24 seven. Right. Uh, it's, it's a whole idea. I don't want to say a lifestyle cause that's kind of cheesy, but you know, if you're bred to build, like you're the kind of person that you, you could fix anything, you could do anything, right. You put your mind to it. You're going to make it happen. And that, that's what the world needs more people like that. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the 11th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and drop an awesome review. As always, feel free to connect with me further at Brett Going on Hammer and IG. Ed, where can people find you at? Uh, Instagram is tradesman41. And then uh, you can just check out Eddie Mac Construction, Google, Facebook, all that stuff. All right, guys, 11th episode down. Thank you guys for listening. You can find me on every social media platform at Matt Bangswood. Check out the nonprofit at Support the Youth, and we will see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Spread this wild around. So if you shoot, you better shoot me now. Shots fired.